Okay, we are ready to go and finish up Nehemiah uh, chapters 11 through 13, the very last of this Ezra-Nehemiah Ezra, and squeezing Esther into that study. Um, and I'm really excited to wrap this up. I don't think I've ever gone through, well, I know I haven't gone through um, Ezra and Nehemiah as a whole. And then also, you know, Esther for me, has usually been a standalone study. So um, I'm really glad to kind of incorporate that as well into um, our study of the this time period of um, kind of return from captivity. So um, I really, really enjoyed this. And I hope uh, those who are listening are getting something out of it. And I know Elizabeth and uh, Sherry are getting a ton. And if they're not, they're teaching me a ton. So it's worth it either way. Mm -hmm. Okay, so uh, any hot takes before we hop in of anything that stood out from this section together? And we were just talking a minute ago about how um, in chapter 11, we're kind of finishing up uh, where we started in chapter 10. So really, I think 12 and 13 may be some of where we pull most of our thoughts from. But I uh, just want to throw it out there for grabs. Elizabeth, did you have anything that stood out? Yeah, um, just kind of thinking about what we were talking about last week that I didn't realize when I was preparing for last week is that all these names are important because it's these individuals that are um, <clears throat> joining Ezra and Nehemiah and really putting uh, putting in the effort, putting in the work. And I know when we read these big long lists of names, we get bogged down by it, but I appreciated it more preparing for this week now that it's like, okay, these individuals are important, they contributed, it's not just like a bunch of names to blaze through. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I really like chapter 13 because this is really where Nehemiah's like leadership style comes <laughs> out. And I know we've talked about how he and Ezra were both very different and even back to um, Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel, sorry. Um, but how they all kind of worked together and worked with the people to get it done. And how when Nehemiah is wrapping things up, it's okay, we're going to get these things nipped in the bud. And he is like, very almost aggressive about like this is what we're doing y'all need to quit doing this thing because it's not what you're supposed to be doing mm -hmm. um and i was i was a little intimidated by that just like if i was there i'd be like whoa <laughs> this is a lot this is really heavy-handed mm -hmm. but i really appreciate it because as we can see that's what needed to be done mm -hmm. for them to live in the land and prosper and not fall into the same sins as before well, and that goes back to what Sherry was saying, and I appreciated that, is that you do see different styles of leadership throughout the scripture. Mm -hmm. And I do think that there is an appropriate time for each type and that there is also an approval of God of it's not all this way. You know, there's different ways of going about it. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really great. Mm -hmm. Sherry, what is your takeaway from the section? Um, a couple of things. Uh, the first is um, that... The in chapter thirteen, the emphasis on the what I call the Nehemiah prayer, um, where there's like four times where he says a prayer and it's just a one-liner, um, uh, and saying, "Okay, I did this. Hopefully, this is the right thing. God, please bless me in this effort." Mm -hmm. um, and uh, also, just that, um, and we we mentioned this before, but. Um, and Elizabeth uh, alluded to it as well. The list of names that we always find so boring, I think it helps me to think about other 
these, this is like a memorial to these people. So when you think about, like, for instance, the Vietnam War Memorial, like when that, when that memorial was built, um, at first I thought, it's, all it is is a large triangular piece of granite with a bunch of people's names on it. Everybody who died in Vietnam is on that wall. And I thought, wow, that's kind of boring. But it was very, very moving to the people mm-hmm. whose names were on there and whose relatives' names were on there. And I think about like when we do, every year when they do the 9-11 memorial, mm-hmm. they read all 3,000 names, uh, or it's 2,900 and however many. Mm-hmm. And you think, wow, that's boring. But to those people, it means a lot. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so I think that's why um, the names, the list of names are showcased so much in this, um, in these couple of chapters, just because it's important to those people that their name is on that list. Mm-hmm. And um, so anyway, uh, and, and you know, it is it, to, 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 to the person who wasn't there, who doesn't have a relative who was there, it's not that important. But to those people, it's important to be able to look back and say, that was my great great grandfather mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so, um, so I think it's really, uh, I just, I just, you know, I've grown to appreciate that more than, than I did in the past. Just, and even, even, even to me, when I go through and actually read the names, you can read some of the names that you think, oh, I know who that was. Right. And, um, and that makes it, you know, that makes it a little more special too. Mm-hmm. Um, just a quick note on that. A couple of things come to mind. Whenever I've heard someone, because I haven't witnessed uh, the memorial in person, but anyone that I have talked to who has gone in person to see it has used those exact words. It's very moving, you know, very sobering um, to see to see all the names. Um, but also, uh, I think about other things that are done like that. The Holocaust, you know, representations mm-hmm. of these are all um, actual people, mm-hmm. you know, whose lives were sacrificed for, you know, one reason or another. And it's always through some great tragedy or great, um, you know, voluntarily sacrificing that kind of, you know, different things like that. But it's always very tragic. And to think about these people coming back mm-hmm. and kind of going through that same thing, why were they coming back? Because they got kicked out. You know, and then, you know, just the importance of, you know, these are the ones who have, I mean, that is very special and very, very chilling in a way and very moving, I think. Um, My takeaway from this, I appreciate y'all bringing that out because I know um, in in future episodes, Lord willing, we're going to be going through Leviticus and there's going to be a lot more of that that we're uh, looking at that seems very mundane on the surface, but um, there's a lot more to it. Um, The... For me, one of the big takeaways from this was the anointing, um, where you've got several instances where he says, all right, look, we're going to anoint everything, get it uh, 
get it uh, clean, prepared, and ready, you know, and sort of this idea, again, making me think back to Leviticus, where God is over and over sending this message, you must be holy because I am holy. And I just appreciate, you know, I, I didn't remember that in my first read through mm-hmm. through Nehemiah, but in these last uh, couple of chapters, that stood out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and you had made one more point. Uh, it wasn't the prayer, and it was one more that mm-hmm. I had on here. No, it was. It was the prayer where remember me for the good that I have done. Mm-hmm. And um, and this really is probably a hot take, and I'll try to make it super short, but. Um, just this idea that when we jump to the New Testament, well, like, forget all this, remember me for the good, you know, it's like it's already done, and, and I just get so frustrated because Nehemiah recognizes over and over and over, he says, not to, not to remember him for the good as if he is earning anything before God, but for your namesake, Mm -hmm. you know, and anything I've done Please remember me out of your loving kindness, you know, and it's all this talk about his compassion and his his forgiveness. Um, but there still is that appropriate approach before God to say, here are the sacrifices I offer up before you. Please accept them, you know, and I don't think that goes away in the New Testament. Mm. We still are to offer up our sacrifices and appropriately go before God and say, please accept them or please remember me for the, for the good that I've done. So anyway, and on the flip side of that, and I know super short, I'm trying to be, um, but, uh, the, he also says, remember Tobiah and remember these other guys for the evil they've done. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Not that I'm like promoting everybody to start precatory prayers, but Mm -hmm. that is interesting. Mm -hmm. That's appropriate as well. So Mm -hmm. anyway, okay, we'll jump in and, um, I will be tribute, and I will do chapter 11, but next time, you just prepare, because I think I'm going to be done with oh, already prepared for this one. <laughs> I figured you were. I'm like, okay, one more time. I can do it. Okay. <laughs> chapter 11 of Nehemiah. Let's get started. Now, the leaders of the people lived in Jerusalem, and the rest of the people cast lots to bring one out of ten to live in Jerusalem, the holy city while nine out of ten remained in the other towns. And the people blessed all the men who willingly offered to live in Jerusalem. These are the chiefs of the province who lived in Jerusalem. But in the towns of Judah, everyone lived on his property in their towns, Israel, the priests, the Levites, the temple servants, and the descendants of Solomon's servants. And in Jerusalem lived certain of the sons of Judah and of the sons of Benjamin, of the sons of Judah, at the... Athiah, the son of Uzziah, son of Zechariah, son of Amariah, son of Shephatiah, son of Mahalalel, the sons of Perez, the sons of Messiah, the son of Baruch, son of Colhose, son of Haziah, son of Adiah, son of Joyarib, son of Zechariah, son of the Shilonite, all the sons of Perez, who lived in Jerusalem were 468 valiant men. And these are the sons of Benjamin, Salu, the son of Meshulam, the son of Joed, son of Padiah, son of Kolai, son of Messiah, son of Ethel, son of Jeshiah, and his brothers, men of valor, 928. Joel, the son of Zikri, 
was their overseer, and Judah, the son of Hesanuah, this was second over the city of the priest, Jediah, the son of Jorib, Jachin, Sariah, the son of Hilkiah, son of Meshulam, son of Zadok, son of Marioth, son of Ahitub, ruler of the house of God, and their brothers who did the work of the house, 822, and Dediah, the son of Jeroham, son of Peliah, son of Amzi, son of Zechariah, son of Pasher, son of Malchijah, and his brothers, heads of fathers' houses, 242, and Amashai, the son of Azarel, son of Azai, son of Meshulamoth, son of Emmer, the, and their brothers, mighty men of valor, 128. Their overseer was Zabdiel, the son of Hagadolam. And of the Levites, Shemaiah, the son of Hashab, son of Az- Azrikam, son of Heshabiah, son of Bunai, and Shabbathai, and Jozebad, of the chief of the Levites, who were over the outside work of the house of God, and Mataniah, the son of Micah, the son of Zabdi, the son of Asaph, who was the leader of, pray- of the praise, who gave thanks, and Bakbukiah, the son of the second among his brothers, and Abda the son of Shemua, son of Galal, son of Jeduthun, all the Levites in the holy city were 284, the gatekeepers, Echub, Talman, and their brothers who kept watch at the gates were 172, and the rest of Israel and of the priests and the Levites were in all the towns of Judah, everyone in his inheritance, but the temple servants lived on Ophel, and Ziha and Gishba were over the temple servants. The overseer of the Levites in Jerusalem was Uzai, the son of Bani, son of Heshabiah, son of Mataniah, son of Micah, the, of the sons of Asaph, the, sorry, the singers over the work of the house of God. For there was a command from the king concerning them and a fixed provision for the singers as every day required and Pethahiah, the son of Meshazabel, of the sons of Zerah, the son of Judah, was at the king's side in all matters, matters concerning the people. And as for the village, villages with their fields, some of the people of Judah lived in Kiriath Arba and its villages, and in Divon and its villages, and in Jechabzil, and its villages, and in Jeshua, and in Mola, Molada, and Beth Pellet, in Hazar Shual, in Beersheba, and its villages, in Ziklag, in Mekona, and its villages, in in Rimmon, in Zora, in Jarmuth, Zenoa, Abdullam, and their villages, Lachish and its fields and Azekah and its villages, so they encamped from Beersheba to the valley of Hinnom. The people of Benjamin also lived from Geba onward at Michmash, Aja, Bethel and its villages, Anathoth, Nob, Aniah, Hazor, Ramah, Gitim, Hadid, Zeboim, Nabalat, Nalad, and Ono, the valley of craftsmen. And certain divisions of the Levites in Judah were assigned to Benjamin. Okay, uh, Sherry, would you like to get us started on chapter 11? Okay. <clears throat> um, 
the things that I pulled out of this um, chapter were, um, um, besides the names of the people, were that um, in verse 2, it says that the people blessed those who were willingly offered to move into Jerusalem. And so um, it was a sacrifice for some of those people to move into Jerusalem. Like some people might think, well, that was a privilege that they could move into Jerusalem. But if it were me, you know, and you're living like in the suburbs and you have to like move into the city. Yeah. It's like, okay. Right. Um, so it's not like, you know, it's a blessing, right? Yeah. But it's kind of a not. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like, it's a sacrifice because I, I don't, want to move into the city and live in an apartment right you know not have my garden and stuff mm -hmm. yeah. and so and not just like a regular city but a city that's like just freshly rebuilt and has been like real trashy for the last seven yeah right. exactly it's like okay great um and they were moving away from um it says in verse 20 that the rest of the people dwelt in their inheritance mm -hmm. so the people that moved into Jerusalem were moving out of their inheritance. That was their inherited land, their family, their family inheritance, and they were having to move um, into the city. And um, so that was, and, and, and there were people, there were people who willingly offered to do that, and and it says that they blessed them. So people were just grateful that okay, that that was really a great sacrifice, yeah. and so they recognized that. Um, the other things that I, uh, noticed were, um, the provisions made for the singers. And I noticed this throughout the, the next three chapters, um, an emphasis on the singers. Mm -hmm. And, um, and we're going to see that in, in this chapter, the next chapter, and, and in chapter 13, that there were, there were provisions made for the singers. In other words, they were paid. That, that, that was their job, and they were paid, and just how important the singers were. Um, and then um, uh, I, I was looking up, like, the geographical locations of the villages that is talked about, and it seems like, I've always thought of the return as being, like, just the return to Jerusalem, but they actually, it says from Beersheba, which is pretty far in the south, to... Bethel, mm -hmm. um, that's the part of this north that uh, that I could find on the map. So that's pretty much like what was comprised of Judah prior to their going into captivity. So can I um, ask you a yeah. quick question on that? Um, so I may be remembering this wrong. Mm -hmm. Are there are there two Bethels, or am I thinking about Dan's? There are two Dan's. Okay, that's what I'm. Yeah. Okay, I'm getting um, that confused. And, and that okay. would be way north. The, 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 the original Dan was south, and then Dan actually, Dan actually decided, okay, we don't like this. Right. We're yeah. going to go up here and take this away from these Dan, people. Down. Right. And there's just one so, Bethel. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but there's only one Bethel, and okay. it is it is in Benjamin territory. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right. right. Gotcha. Um, uh, so anyway, just you know, those are the things that I took out the geographical locations. When I went through and looked at all the villages and tried to look them up, up on the map, it seemed like, okay, that's like the whole of Judah. It's not just Jerusalem mm -hmm. and the surrounding area. It's, it's from Beersheba, which is quite a way south, 
to the Bethel is. But they never get back up to Israel territory, right? Right. Okay. Right. Right. And of course, you know, the 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 northern tribes are basically gone, gone mm-hmm. anyway. So right. Yeah. Okay. I appreciate you bringing that out. Mm-hmm. All right. What about you, Elizabeth, for chapter eleven? Yeah. So I noticed the same thing about uh, verses one and two, and I was I was also confused. I'm like, why would you want to? At first, I thought it was like a good casting lot. It's like you'd be lucky to go live in Jerusalem. Right. But then I thought about it some more and I was like, okay, why would they have to bless the people? But yeah, because this was a major sacrifice. It's like, okay, we're going to leave our inheritance and go to some like janky half-built ghost town. Mm. Um, that, that's probably not an appropriate way to describe Jerusalem because it is the, the city of God. But mm. it would be... But at this time. At this time, not. it wouldn't be like necessarily a desirable place to live just from a... Mm-hmm. non-spiritual standpoint sure um so i really appreciate you kind of elaborating on that because i i was a little too confused to make good mm-hmm. comment on that mm-hmm. um i also noticed the part about the singers but for a different reason um that they had their provision was commanded by the king and then there was also like a con a contact with the king that was kind of relaying all the matters concerning the Israelites who had gone back. And so something that I've just been really aware of reading through all three of these books is how these pagan kings do play into God's plan, whether they're willing, willingly acknowledging that like Nebuchadnezzar in some places is like, okay, God is the one true God and we're going to do things um, for his people or just... Um, by coincidence. So I think this kind of goes back to Nehemiah's kind of rapport and position with the king that not only was he given stuff when he went back, but there's this continued support as they're going on. And I thought that was that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, how the king is 100% in favor of this and they've pretty much dismissed all of the opposition. Like we don't have mm-hmm. any more reports of like people telling them to stop or trying to undermine it. But it's underway. They have the support of the king. No one's trying to mm-hmm. take that away from them. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when you mentioned the importance of the singers and how this was their actual proper job, I'm thinking more about some of the things we talk about in the song study, mm-hmm. the singing study that we do on Monday nights, um, where songs are a way to teach and to encourage and admonish Mm -hmm. and so this time they'd be singing like I guess the psalms if they could find them Mm -hmm. if they had records of those Mm -hmm. um and how though that's a really good way to help teach the people because they have the law but if you also have these songs and you're thinking of them you're meditating on them Mm -hmm. it's just another way to bring the people back to and into a knowledge and a relationship with God so Mm -hmm. um I Really appreciate you bringing that up because I don't always think about that. I was like, oh, singers, okay. But no, that was their job and it was part of part of the ministry to teach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Point. And it, it, was a, it was a particular tribe of the Levites. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the other thing that to me stood out. Like, mm-hmm. like you were saying, you've got the singers pointed out, but also, and this is, you know, in so many places, especially throughout uh, the Old Testament where... Uh, it's brought out that the Levites are provided for in one aspect or another, you know, whether it's their um, job to do the singing, to look after the temple, to, you know, the different 
things that were they were to be set aside and you know wholly be dedicated to this work of the Lord mm-hmm. um, but they were to be provided for and I think that is so interesting as it carries over to the New Testament where we've got um, Simeon um, where you know where, where we first see um, oh I think that's in Luke where we first mm-hmm. see him mm-hmm. and then also um, even going further into you know past the life of Christ where you know it's mentioned elders are worthy of their mm-hmm. you know work and so you know just mm-hmm. always this you know, look, there is an appropriateness to, you know, people that are dedicated to working in the kingdom of God provide for them. Mm-hmm. And then also, you know, sort of on the flip side of that is, you know, their need to accept, okay, God's going to provide. You know, that's mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. another discussion. Right. But anyway, mm-hmm. but I appreciate y'all bringing that out mm-hmm. because that is throughout through all, the, all the Old Testament. And then we see a different version, if you will in the New Testament mm-hmm. where that thought is continued. Mm-hmm. So, okay, chapter 12, I don't want us to get too far uh, behind because we, we will finish. <laughs> God willing, we will finish this time and I have to like cut it short. Um, Elizabeth, do you mind reading chapter 12 for us? Yes. All right. These are the priests and the Levites who came up with Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Jeshua, Sariah, Jeremiah, Ezra, Amariah, Malik, Hattush, Shekaniah, Rehum, Merimoth, Edo, Genethoi, Abijah, Mijamin, Mediah, Bilga, Shemaiah, Joyarib, Jedidiah, Salu, Amok, Hilkiah, Jedidiah. Jedidiah. These were the chiefs of the priests and of their brothers in the days of Jeshua. And the Levites, Jeshua, Benui, Cadmiel, Sherebiah, Judah, and Mataniah, who with his brothers was in charge of the, of the songs of thanksgiving. And Bakbukiah and Uni and their brothers stood opposite them in the service. And Jeshua was the father of Joachim, Joachim the father of Eliashib, Eliashib the father of Joiada, Joiada the father of Jonathan, and Jonathan the father of Jedua. And in the days of Joachim were priests, heads of fathers' houses, of Sariah, Moriah, of Jeremiah, Hananiah, of Ezra, Meshulam, of Amariah, Je- Jehohanan, of Malukai, Jonathan, of Shebaniah, Joseph, of Harim, Adna, of Meroith, Marioth, Helkai, of Edo, Zechariah, of Ginnathon, Meshulam, of Abijah, Zikri, of Miniamin, of Modiah, Moadiah, Piltai, of Bilga, Shemua, of Shemaiah, Jehonathan, of Joyrib, Matani, of Jediah, Uzi, of Salai, Kalai, of Amok, Eber, of Hilkiah, Hashabiah, of Jediah, Nethanel. In the days of Eliashib, Joida, Johanan, and Judua, the Levites were. Recorded as heads of fathers' houses, so too were the priests in the reign of Darius the Persian. As for the sons of Levi, their heads of fathers' houses were written in the book of Chronicles until the days of Johanan, the son of Eliashib. And the chiefs of the Levites, Hashabiah, Sherebiah, and Jeshua, the son of Cadmiel, with their brothers who stood opposite them, to praise and to give thanks according to the commandment of David, the man of God, watch by watch. Mataniah, 
Bakbukiah, Obadiah, Meshulam, Talman, and Akab were gatekeepers standing guard at the storehouses of the gates. These were in the days of Joachim, the son of Jeshua, son of Josadak, and in the days of Nehemiah, the governor, and of Ezra, the priest and scribe. And at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought the Levites in all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness, with thanksgiving, and with singing, with cymbals, harps, and lyres. And the sons of the singers gathered together from the district surrounding Jerusalem, and from the villages of the Nito-Faithites, also from Beth Gilgal, and from the region of Geba and Asmaveth, for the singers had built for themselves villages around Jerusalem. And the priests and the Levites purified themselves, and they purified the people and the gates and the wall. Then I brought the leaders of Judah up onto the wall and appointed two great choirs that gave thanks. One went to the south on the wall to the dung gate, and after them went Hoshiah and half the leaders of Judah, and Azariah, Ezra, Meshulam, Judah, Benjamin, Shemaiah, and Jeremiah, and certain of the priest's sons with trumpets, Zechariah, the son of Jonathan, son of Shemaiah, son of Mataniah, son of Micaiah, son of Zachar, son of Asaph, and his relatives, Shemaiah, Azarel, Melali, Gilali, Mei, Nethanel, Judah, and Hanani, with the musical instruments of David, the man of God. And Ezra the scribe went before them. At the fountain gate, they went up straight before them by the stairs of the city of David, at the ascent of the wall, above the house of David, to the water gate on the east. The other choir of those who gave thanks went to the north, and I followed them with half of the people on the wall, above the tower of the ovens to the broad wall, and above the gate of Ephraim, and by the gate of Yeshana, and by the fish gate, and the tower of Hananel, and the tower of the hundred, to the sheep gate. And they came to a halt at the gate of the guard. So both choirs of those who gave thanks stood in the house of God, and I and half the officials with me, and the priests Eliakim, Maasiah, Miniamin, Micaiah, Elianai, Zechariah, and Hananiah with trumpets, and Maasiah, Shemaiah, Eliezer, Uzi, Jehohanan, Malchijah, Elam, and Ezer. And the singers sang with Jezrahiah as their leader. And they offered great sacrifices that day and rejoiced, for God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and the children also rejoiced, and the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. On that day, men were appointed over the storerooms, the contributions, the first fruits, and the tithes to gather them into the portions required by the law for the priests and the Levites, according to the fields of the towns. For Judah rejoiced over the priests and the Levites who ministered. And they performed the service of their God and the service of purification, as did the singers and the gatekeepers, according to the command of David and his son Solomon. For long ago, in the days of David and Asaph, there were directors of the singers, and there were songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. And all Israel in the days of Zerubbabel and in the days of Nehemiah gave daily portions for the singers and the gatekeepers, and they set apart that which was for the Levites, and the Levites set apart that was what that which was for the sons of Aaron. Okay, great. Thank you. Sherry, you want to get us started with chapter 12? Okay, so get my notes here. Um, uh, so we have 
the dedication of the wall is the main focus, I think, of this um, of this chapter. Um, sort of like a dedication, you know, like grand opening or whatever. Um, uh, I noticed for sure in this chapter again the emphasis on the singers, um, and I envision it. At, because I didn't look up like where all these gates were that he was talking about, but that's a lot of gates, mm -hmm. and I'm guessing they didn't have a gate every you know 50 yards. So it seems like they were all around the perimeter, mm -hmm. and there were people standing on the wall singing, and it says that they were it was heard from far away, and so um, I just picture it being a very uh, moving and a joyful time for them to be um, dedicating this wall and their, their, the sound of it just going way out away from the city of Jerusalem to where people outside the city can hear it really well. Um, and um, uh, it's just um, uh, again, it's just um, it just sort of gives me chills to think about um, what that must have been like. Um, also, there's a, a I I noticed there's um, the reference to um, the reason that they have the singers is based on David. Mm -hmm. um, it goes back and talks about how and, and they were sons of Asaph. That was the singers um, and. Uh, just realizing that David is the one who actually established this tradition. Um, <clears throat> also, then uh, the rest of the of the chapter is about provisions for the Levites and the singers. <laughs> you know who were Levites as well. Uh, the sing the provisions for Levites, particularly the singers and the priests, um, and. Uh, uh, that's basically what I got out of chapter 12. Okay. All right. Anything in addition to that, Elizabeth? Yes. I, I noticed the same things. I especially liked the callback to David and how there were songs of praise and thanksgiving, which kind of like I talked about in the last chapter would refer to like the Psalms that we have. And we have like Psalms of Asaph as well. Mm -hmm. uh, the only thing different, because I thought of uh, some of those other ideas, was... The having to go seek out the Levites in all their places in verse 27 where they mm -hmm. had to go out and find the Levites. Because mm -hmm. something I didn't really think about is like, of course not everyone is in Jerusalem, but not all the Levites were even in Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. Because if we think about um, just Jewish cities, you'll have like a synagogue. Mm -hmm. And so there'd have to be Levites and scribes and mm -hmm. people there studying and teaching. Mm -hmm. Um, so I guess on one hand, it's a good thing that they had to go and gather them up mm -hmm. because that means that the word is being taught outside of Jerusalem. Like you right. don't have to go to Jerusalem to learn, but you've got people in your town mm -hmm. teaching that. And mm -hmm. that's just something I picked up on. And I guess, um, it's, it's like a normal thing that was going on. I just don't think about it a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, that you would have to go out and get these people because they were actively teaching the people outside of just Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I think I really liked bringing out this making provision for the Levites according to the law with the 
offerings and the tithes and stuff like that. Because it goes back to um, Summer's point from chapter 11 that the people who are doing the work, uh, the work of God should be, you know, paid and supported for that, like the way we mm-hmm. would pay preachers and elders and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Um, the only other thing I would add to that is, I know this is a small portion of it, but where you were going at the end of that chapter, sorry, um, where you were walking through um, basically the different services at the temple mm-hmm. where you've got, um, let's see, verse 45, they performed the service of their God and service for purification, as did the singers of the gate and the gatekeepers according to the command of David and his son Solomon. So where um, you pulled out, Sherry, about the callback to David, um, and it is interesting to me, I mean, to me, reading through something like this, one, like you were saying, it gives you the chills of what um, that celebration would would be like in that moment, but then also thinking back to what that, um, what it calls back to. Mm-hmm. In other words, you know, thinking about when David is, is dancing in the street, and I know sometimes we think of that with a mm-hmm. negative connotation mm-hmm. because of his wife, but really this outpouring of worship to God Mm-hmm. Um, and what and who better than David as an example of that mm-hmm. of genuine uh, worship and um, just wanting to be purely devoted to God, mm-hmm. wholly devoted mm-hmm. to God, um, and I just think that's that's wonderful for us to be able to see. I mean, where and I'm sure it meant you know a lot more to them, not only on this day also drawing back to David, also drawing back to going through the Psalms that David wrote so beautifully, you know, and again, um, you know, not to throw too many um, things in about, you know, the singing or whatever, but I don't think we can overdo this. Those thoughts through Psalms are, are things that I do think God intends for us to regularly be meditating on and have at the forefront of our mind mm-hmm to have that appropriate appreciation and sort of worshipful heart <coughs> before God like David did. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, I appreciate both of y'all bringing those things out mm-hmm. because um, I don't think we can overdo that too much. And I do think Psalms is such a wonderful place for so many things, mm-hmm. but especially like in light of this, when we're thinking of, you know, bringing something to God appropriately, mm-hmm. doing it with the right praise and adoration that he deserves. So... Um, anyway, did you have a thought from that? Or Okay. Um, oh, and this is total side note, but I think we have just a minute for me to throw this in here. But you were talking about, Elizabeth, um, the connection. I think it was you that made the comment about the connection to the king of, you know, um, basically kind of giving them a report, if mm-hmm. you will, mm-hmm. in song. Mm-hmm. And it makes me think, you know, I'm, I'm so terrible because I don't know history like I should. and I'm trying to get better at that. But it makes me go back to, you know, what I think of as like the Vikings and mm-hmm. times of ballads and, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. where basically you're telling the story and, and, you know, in that instance, it's like an epic story or whatever. But how, you know, that has been going on for so long that that was the avenue of telling and God did not want that lost 
just when we flip up again. I just yeah. I know this is a this is my hobby horse, and please forgive me. But when we turn from the Old Testament to the New Testament, it's not like he just wants that to diminish because now everybody can read. Mm-hmm. We still need to be teaching each other in song. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, I just appreciate you bringing that out because that's a historical aspect mm-hmm. that I think uh, a lot of times we lose sight of that that. That was a lot of the time way the way that news was carried mm-hmm. was through song. Mm-hmm. It was memorable and you you know encapsulated mm-hmm. when there wasn't the opportunity or you know whatever mm-hmm. for it to be written down. There mm-hmm. just wasn't the time, and it, that's so interesting how important that job was. Mm-hmm. So anyway, right. that's kind of a fact. That's a that's a tangent and not you know super important, but I do think it's mm-hmm. worth mentioning. Okay, Sherry, would you like to read uh, thirteen for us? Yes. On that day, they read from the book of Moses in the hearing of the people, and in it was found written that no Ammonite or Moabite should ever enter the assembly of God, for they did not meet the people of Israel with bread and water, but hired Balaam against them to curse them. Yet our God turned the curse into a blessing. As soon as the people heard the law, they separated from Israel all those of foreign descent. Now before this, Elisha, the priest who was appointed over the chambers of the house of our God, and who was related to Tobiah, prepared for Tobiah a large chamber where they had previously put the grain offering, the frankincense, the vessels, and the tithe of grain, wine, and oil, which were given by commandment to the Levites, singers, and gatekeepers, and the contributions for the priests. While this was taking place, I was in Jerusalem, for in the 32nd year of Artaxerxes, king of Babylon, I went to the king, And after some time, I asked leave of the king and came to Jerusalem, and I then discovered that uh, the evil that Eliashib had done for Tobiah, preparing for him a chamber in the courts of the house of God. And I was very angry, and I threw all the household furniture of Tobiah out of the chamber. Then I gave orders, and they cleansed the chambers, and I brought back there the vessels of the house of God with the grain offerings and the frankincense. I also found out that the portions of the Levites had not been given to them, so that the Levites and the singers who did the work had fled each to his field. So I confronted the officials and said, Why is the house of God forsaken? And I gathered them together and set them in their stations. Then all Judah brought the tithe of the grain, wine, and oil into the storehouses. And I appointed as treasurers over the storehouses Shelemiah the priest, Zadok the scribe, and Padiah of the Levites, and as their assistant, Hanan, the son of Zakur, <clears throat> excuse me, son of Madaniah, for they were considered reliable, and their duty was to distribute to their brothers. Remember me, O my God, concerning this, and do not wipe out my good deeds that I have done for the house of my God and for his service. In those days I saw in Jerusalem, <clears throat> excuse me, I saw in Judah people treading wine presses on the Sabbath bringing in heaps of grain, loading them on donkeys, and also wine, grapes, figs, and all kinds of loads, which they brought into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. And I warned them on the day when they sold food. Tyrians also, who lived in the city, brought in fish and all kinds of goods, and sold them on the Sabbath to the people of Judah, in Jerusalem itself. Then I confronted the nobles of Judah and said to them, What is this evil thing that you are doing, profaning the Sabbath day? Did not your fathers act this way, and did not our God bring all this disaster on us and on this city? Now you are bringing more wrath on Israel by profaning the Sabbath. As soon as it began to grow dark at the gates of Jerusalem before the Sabbath, I commanded that the doors should be shut 
and gave orders that they should not be opened until after the Sabbath. And I stationed some of my servants at the gates that no load may be brought in on the Sabbath day. Then the merchants and sellers of all kinds of wares lodged outside Jerusalem once or twice. But I warned them and said to them, Why do you lodge outside the wall? If you do so again, I will lay hands on you. From that time on, they did not come on the Sabbath. Then I commanded the Levites that they should purify themselves and come and guard the gates to keep the Sabbath day holy. Remember this also in my favor, O my God, and spare me according to the greatness of your steadfast love. In those days I also saw the Jews who had married women of Ashdod, Ammon, and Moab, and half of their children spoke the language of Ashdod, and they could not speak the language of Judah, but only the language of each people. And I confronted them, and cursed them, and beat some of them, and pulled out their hair. And I made them take an oath in the name of God, saying, You shall not give your daughters to their sons, or take daughters of your sons, or for yourselves. Did not... Solomon, king of Israel, sinned on account of such women. Among the many nations, there was no king like him, and he was beloved by his God, and God made him king over all Israel. Nevertheless, foreign women made him even to sin. Shall we then listen to you and do all this great evil <clears throat> and act treacherously against our God by marrying foreign women? And one of the sons of Jehoiada, the son of Eliashib, the high priest, was the son-in-law of Sanballat, the Horonite. Therefore I chased him from me. Remember them, O my God, because they have desecrated the priesthood and covenant of the priesthood and the Levites. Thus I cleansed them from everything foreign, and I established the duties of the priests and Levites, each in his work. And I provided for the wood offering at appointed times and for the first fruits. Remember me, O my God, for good. I mean, if that does not get you ready to... <laughs> Get after things we need to be after. <laughs> yeah. All right, Elizabeth, get us started. <laughs> okay. There's a lot in here, mm. and I, I really, really liked it. I think the kind of, if I had to give this chapter its own title, or if I was comparing it to Ezra, I really thought of this anguish versus anger. Mm -hmm. So we see in Ezra, when he sees things going on, he is deeply moved and in anguish. So you see him tearing his clothes, being sackcloth and ashes, really um displaying that anguish before the people and they're like oh we've messed up mm -hmm. whereas nehemiah has this righteous indignation like this very um justified anger he's not mm -hmm. getting angry for no reason it's like this anger on god's behalf that people are doing wrong so i kind mm -hmm. of just want to like walk through each individual problem because i like the scenario of problem nehemiah is angry about it it gets fixed. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So the the first part is, okay, we shouldn't be mixed in with the Ammonites and the Moabites. And in each of these, I really like how they also give a historical context. So in this part, he references Balaam. That's why we don't associate with these people is because they sent him to curse them. Mm -hmm. And so we circle back around to Tobiah, who was related to one of the priests, but I believe he was foreign and just mm -hmm. like intermarried mm -hmm. um and how the he was related by marriage yeah mm -hmm. yeah so Eliashib the priest mm -hmm. um appointed him a room and basically like desecrated the the temple complex in that way so when Nehemiah finds out he had been gone he went back to um to Babylon since he did have this close relationship with the king and he had to go back and report and stuff 
Um, and he comes back and he's like, why did you do this? You've desecrated the temple and, you know, finally wiping Tobiah out, um, mm-hmm. who has just been this persistent pain in the side, preventing the, the work, just finally gets rid of him. So I think a really good kind mm-hmm. of conclusion to the Tobiah arc. Mm-hmm. And then next he realizes that the Levites had not been given their portion um, from the offerings, which they set up just in the last chapter. They're like, hey, you need to give the Levites this. And already, chapter 13, they're not getting it. And this really reminded me of Acts 6, when within the church, um, some of the widows were not receiving the portion that they were supposed to have. And so you have to set up deacons. And that's almost exactly what he does here, where you get certain officials and says specifically that they're considered reliable and getting these trustworthy people to carry out everyday things that just aren't getting taken care of. So kind of a different group that's being taken care of, but the same principle of we need trustworthy, reliable people to carry out the day-to-day work that gets neglected. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after this, we have one of those short prayers um, imploring God to remember him that he's done these good things, gotten uh, gotten rid of some of the negative influences. Mm-hmm. And then the next big thing he tackles is working on the Sabbath, um, which I don't know. I just thought this this part was really funny because you have the you have the Israelites, um, you know, trespassing not yeah trespassing. Yeah, trespassing, working on the Sabbath. I'm trying to figure out what word I need to use. Um, So working on the Sabbath, and they're not supposed to do that. But it's not just them. It's also outsiders. So the Tyrians, um, I guess they're they're coastal people. So they weren't weren't Israelites. But they're coming in and selling on the Sabbath. And so first he consults the people, or yeah, confronts the people of Judah. And it's like, hey, especially the officials, like, why are y'all letting this happen? And this is kind of a theme that we've seen, Mm -hmm. that the officials aren't taking care of the things they need to take care of, so people are slipping into, like, their bad habits, into sin. So they get that um, worked out, but then the foreign people are still just, like, camping outside on the Sabbath so they can go in on the next day and start selling. And I love how he he just threatens them. He's like, if you keep doing this, I'm going to beat y'all up. Um, and that, that got his point across. So it really mm-hmm. conveys this righteous indignation as a valid form of leadership and how this is getting stuff done in a different way. And then you have another short prayer because Nehemiah recognizes that he is doing the best he can, trying to weed out all these bad influences, but obviously you're not going to be able to get everything worked out, especially with, like, all the problems that the people had readjusting. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the last uh, big problem he tackles is the marriage of foreign women, which kind of relates back to the first thing of having foreign peoples in your midst. Um, But this is something that Ezra tackled as well, just in a different way. And this is Mm -hmm. where that anguish versus anger thing Mm -hmm. was, like, the most... um, visible because Ezra when he realizes that people have married foreign women you know sackcloth ashes the whole deal um and Nehemiah just wails on him just 
grabs mm-hmm. them, beats them up. It's like, what are y'all doing? Mm-hmm. But then has this historical context. So Ezra, when he did it, references the law, and they just read through the law. It's like, okay, God said not to marry foreign peoples. But then he uses the historical context of, y'all remember Solomon? Mm-hmm. Um, where he was, you know, a great king, a very wise man, but foreign women still led him astray. Um, and compelling, or convincing them to turn away from that on this historical basis of if you start letting in these bad influences, you're going to go right back down the same path your fathers did. And kind of ties back to this broader theme of the people are trying to do it right this time, so you need to weed out all the negative influences early on and just get those out of there. Um... So those were kind of the main challenges. But mm-hmm. then towards the end, we also see Sanballat gets kicked out as well. Mm-hmm. So it's like Nehemiah just cleaning out all the people that have been problems for him, bad influences on the people. I just love the concluding line, remember me, oh my God, for good. Mm-hmm. Um, and confession time, I don't really know how deeply I've studied Nehemiah. So I was um, very moved when I read that because that's just the attitude that I want to have, like, I'm not going to be able to fix all the problems to do all the things, but mm-hmm. I hope that mm-hmm. we've done good to be remembered in the eyes of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's this, that, to me, that is a sobering thing that stands out. You know, I started this thing of, you know, putting just a little sentence, you know, on my mirror to, you know, keep at the forefront. And I was just thinking, remember me, oh my God, for good. Mm-hmm. Can I say that? You know, mm-hmm. is there good for me to be remembered by mm-hmm. like there was for Nehemiah? Mm-hmm. Um, Sherry, um, your thoughts quickly because I don't want to run mm-hmm. out of time for mm-hmm. you. So it, it seems to me like Nehemiah is continually having to come back and fix things. Um, it's like he comes, he gets gets it done, then he goes back to the king, then he comes back, and guess what? He has to do the same thing again. He's a mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I told y'all. <clears throat> so, um, uh, so I, I'm, I'm impressed by Nehemiah's, uh, because he, he, he's not just, I mean, all the things that he does, and he's also got this other job where he's like the cupbearer to the king. So, you know, it's not like, He's got a whole lot of time, um, and it's not like he's there and things are. It, it, he can't. He can't. Like it, it, it's like he's saying, "I can't be here with you all the time to watch you all the time. You're going to have to learn how to do this on your own." <laughs> and so, um, the the reference to Tobiah is just to. Oh, so you have Tobiah and Sanballat, who are their main enemies at the beginning of the book, and. Here they're they're married to them to their it's like what? what? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> okay, let's let's fix this problem by giving my daughter in marriage to the guy. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't and and it's almost comical to me the 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 way he deals with Tobiah because Tobiah seems like a guy. It says it says in um, earlier in the in the book, in chapter 2, verse 10, that he was an Ammonite servant. And so he wasn't anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then he's living in, it's like, 
it's like a deadbeat teenager that's living in your basement all the time. It's like, okay, he, do, he doesn't have a job, apparently, because he's got to have a room in the temple set aside for him to live in. Yeah. Like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like, dude, get a job and go away. <laughs> you know, be your own, do your own thing. And so, um, and then, and then at the end, he mentions sand ballad. It's like, come on, people. Um, uh, It's it's also I I, I thought um, uh, in verse um, verses um, fifteen to twenty-two with him uh, sort of getting back to not profaning the Sabbath kind of reminded me, like, I think it's maybe a type of Jesus cleansing the temple. Mm-hmm. Like, he, it's the merchandisers, it's the people that want to make, he's saying, get out, you're profaning the Sabbath. And um, also just just a note to mention that, so profaning, we, we think of profaning as being something horrible. It is. Um, but all it means is taking something that is holy and making it common. Right. And so that's what they were doing. Um, they were taking the Sabbath day and making it just like any other day. Mm-hmm. And that's bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, those, those were the things that, the, besides the things that Elizabeth said, those were the main things I got out of it. Um, so just to end on that note, I appreciate you bringing that out about the profaning because to me that's, you know, the bulk of what I was getting from chapter 13 is this, this uh, purposeful um, concentration on making sure the people understood that, again, you are to be holy. So there's not just, like you were saying, the clearing out of things, but now we've got to purify, we've got to cleanse, and now it's acceptable mm-hmm. for you to be um, in the presence of God again. And I think sometimes that we leave that off, and uh, that's that's to our mm-hmm. detriment. Um, and so before our timer dings, I just want to confess that this is where my heart is, and I have to, I, w- I have to be careful to check myself to make sure... Is it a righteous indignation? Because I do, you know, there are times when I just, you know, look around and say, look, hey, we're not playing, okay? Mm -hmm. We've got to be serious about what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Or as Malachi would say, just shut the doors, you know? Mm -hmm. So I appreciate this so much, ladies. This has been super helpful for me. Looking forward to starting Leviticus in a couple of weeks.